Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. And I, I want to be a body of people that are, that's confident in the Father that's confident in the finished work of Christ and stands in this resolve that we have the spirit of the living God within us that is leading us and guiding us into all truth, that is showing us things to come, that is giving us strength, that is giving us peace, that is giving us courage, that is also seeking to establish His promises in our life. You know, we've been talking about faith, and I'm going to wind down uh, the year, kind of the next couple of messages talking about faith and then and then wind back up in January. You know, I always love to start with a kind of a goal setting. People say, I don't do resolutions. Well, call them whatever you want to call them, but January is a great year to kind of get back on track with some things that you want to pursue, you know, up up your aggressiveness of pursuing those things that God has put in your heart. You know, it's a, it's a good year to kind of reset, good time to reset and make some decisions, make some goals and stick to it. And we're going to do it collectively. One of the things that I want to do going into 2020 in, in the role that I am in this church is to bring even another layer of practicality to the message of persuading your own heart of the promises of God. You know, because faith is not this crowbar that you run to God and wrench something out of His hands. You know what I mean? Faith is not what you do to make God move. And we've been taught that. We've been taught faith is my, my faith causes God to respond as if it impresses Him. Well, that's His faith to begin with, right? Once you get born again, you get the faith, you get His faith, His capacity to be confident in Him. That's what faith is. Faith looks at God and says, yes, you are who you say that you are. And to the degree that I'm convinced of it determines how great or little my faith is. You know, and I think that's going to be a theme that stays true all the way through the next year as well. And that develops a resolve, you know, and I talked about that last week and I heard a lot of great feedback. That word resolve, it hit me really heavy in a good way because all the stuff that's happened, it's like, no, you know, we are steady. We are rock solid in the fact that God is good. Yes. Amen. This world has trouble in it. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. I'll say it all the time. His will was in the garden. His will is in heaven. Jesus showed us the Father. Everything else in between is us messing things up and Him still continuing to work with us to try to establish His plans and purposes. It's not that He can't just make it happen, but He's holding to His own word of giving dominion of this planet to mankind, right? Like He is powerful enough to just snap His fingers and do whatever He wanted to do. He could do that. He has that power. It's not that His hands are tied. It's just that how He has decided to interact with this earth through the authority that He's given to mankind. And we, I reinforce that all the time, all the time, all the time. And I know you hear it, and I know those people watching online hear it. We get new people all the, line, all the time to come in and are encouraged by that. But where we're going in 2020 is to even deepen that resolve a little bit more so that this gospel is not just good news. It's not just good information. It's actually power for us. It's actually salvation for us that we carry. Because we've been through some things, and we're going to go through some more things. And so faith, you know, 
I, I spent some time in Peter this week, First and Second Peter. You kind of got to be ready to read Peter. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You kind of got to be ready to read Peter. You got to understand what he's talking about. You got to understand who Peter is, who he's writing to. You have to understand. Really, I, I don't really recommend reading Peter until you read Romans, right? Until you read Galatians. You know, it's like read Paul, then read Peter. Paul will contextualize and frame the new covenant for you. He will frame how you are to live and how God relates to you now and how Christ fulfilled. And read Hebrews. Basically, read the whole Bible, then read Peter. <laughs> and then Revelation after that somewhere. On the... But, I'm, you know, you want to go home and read Peter now, right? See, Peter, Peter is intense. Peter is this guy that takes living the Christian life seriously. But when he writes, he's writing from a place of deep persecution. He's writing from a place of having experienced pain and suffering as a result of righteousness, standing up for the gospel, things being taken away from them, a whole group of people being ostracized and being, uh, you know, exiled. And, you know, he's writing to people that, are, that have been through something. And he's resolved in, it's almost like he just takes for granted who God... Now, I'm not saying he's not inspired. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm just trying to help us understand Peter's mindset as we read it. It is the inspired Word of God. It should be there. We should assimilate all of it and put it all into practice. But what I'm saying is when you read it, you have to realize what he's talking about. It's like he's talking to mature people who have a firm foundation in the gospel, knowing their faith righteousness, knowing who God is, and knowing, like Paul, that what they're going through is not God playing games with your life. It's just the result of you going through life with a call to preach the gospel and things happen. You know, like Paul, and, and uh, Sam brought it up this morning, we kind of had an impromptu small group meeting back here and we were talking about life, you know, big subject. And Sam brought up the idea that <clears throat> Paul talked about how he was shipwrecked and snake bit and beat and all these, you know, Paul was beaten nearly to death and then got up the next morning and walked like a 12-mile hike to the next town. I mean, you know, can you imagine? He's probably all, he, he probably looked like a walking zombie walking from one town to the next. I mean, we might put our rose-colored glasses on and say, no, the rocks didn't even bother him. The fact that he almost died the day before didn't affect him at all the next morning. He just woke up and singing zippity-doo-dah and walked on to the next town. You know, it's like, no. It's, you know, I mean, you get beat nearly to death. Have you ever been stoned before? You are lying. I know you've been stoned. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I want it to be real for us. I want our faith to be real. I don't want. I don't want to do church and then the rest of our life pray and not actually expect something to happen. And I kind of had this whole message prepared and then we got a little bit uh, changed course a little bit, but I wanted to talk about taking the Lord's name in vain. And I'll give you the, this commandment in summary. Taking the Lord's name in vain is not when you put a profanity after the word, the letters G-O-D. Taking the Lord's name in vain, I'll give you an example, is praying and then thinking that nothing will change. 
That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name in vain is calling upon the name of the Lord in prayer or in faith, but yet in your heart thinking nothing's going to change. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. The Lord's name is all of the power behind Him. The Lord's name is His authority, who He is. And when you engage Him and then go back to your life and still see it the exact same way, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. You go pray and then you go worry, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's taking His authority and His character and His promises and who He is and who He showed us to be and who He said He will be, taking the Lord's name in vain. If you pray and you walk away and you look at your life and you still feel exactly the same, you've just taken the Lord's name in vain. Now, doesn't that make you feel all warm and fuzzy? <laughs> but that's what it is. You, it's, it's vain. It's vain to look at His authority and then think that your life will not change. And then we call that being realistic. Right? And so... I'm going to string a couple of messages here. I'm going to go back to Mr. Owens, you know, Michael. We love him. We miss him. He would have been my loudest amen sitting right here. Just would have been. We, we you know, had the opportunity of helping his family minister and comforting them Thursday night. And uh, the testimony, what a testimony. And I was so glad that your brother and sister, you know, that you're two oldest in the family stood up and shared what they shared, you know. They shared the raw reality of their experience with their father. Is that okay if I say what? <clears throat> you know, they, they shared that he had anger issues in, the, in his younger life, and so the oldest kids experienced that, and it caused the divide between him and those kids and even his own wife, even with Donna, for a long time. And then they told this incredible story of how he basically got saved and experienced transformation and realized, oh man, and went back to his children and wife and asked for forgiveness for who he had been and saw the hand of God reconcile each relationship and the family as a collective. And Donna has told me things during this process of how beautiful a thing it is to watch her nine children bond together, unite, and take care of her. She said... She said that she feels taken care of. I don't know if she's told you all that, but she told me she feels taken care of in this process because of the way that your family's coming together. But that's the gospel. Michael got a hold of the gospel and knew that he was forgiven and heard the power of transformation available in this Jesus and in this sacrifice to the point that he went back. I mean, a lot of families don't get that. A lot of families, some of you here, haven't had the opportunity. Your loved ones have passed, and, and it, it's a loose end. It's, it's a source of pain. You didn't get to have that resolution. Some of you still have people alive that there's loose ends, and it's hard there. And it's either you that hasn't gone to them and reconciled or them to you, and it might never happen. You know, there was someone that was deeply touched after the, the memorial service that, that we all know. And she came to me, and, and she just... You know, this, and I've never seen this person overcome with emotion and she could not speak. And she was just saying that if there's hope for them, there's hope for me and my dad. And it was incredibly powerful. 
that she got that out of it. I don't think she could go to you guys. So, you know, that's the gospel. That's what the gospel does, right? It reaches around the world. Yes, it evangelizes. It brings people to the saving knowledge of Christ. But one of the biggest reinforcements that gives it validity and power is stories like that. That's what I want us to engage in as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, is that we assimilate the gospel to the point that we are changed, and then we take it into the world. We're not just going to the world with information. We're going to the world with a story. We're going to the world with something that we've been through, and we've kept the faith, and we have our resolve, and we know that God is good, right? Like, I I think a lot of us, now this is where you kind of get into the idea. People say, well, you know, you need to go through a test before you got a testimony. Well, you can learn the foolish way that way if you want. You know, Proverbs says the fool learns by stripes on his back. You don't have to go through difficulty to learn the faithfulness of God. Did you know that? That preach is really good, but it's not true. Now, I pray that when you're going through the difficulty, you do turn your heart to God and you do reinforce your faith toward Him and His love for you. But if you don't, it can, you can still know the power and the love of God. You can still know the transformative grace of God that is alive apart from you going through some challenge and difficulty. Some people live charmed lives and never face it. That's okay. You know, I, there's, this, there's these weird things that get woven into Christianity because we look at people's lives and we judge God's actions in their lives based on what they went through. It's like back to my point about Paul and Peter. Y'all thought, y'all thought I forgot, but here we go. <clears throat> Paul listed all these things, you know, almost stoned to death, walk into this next town difficult situations that he'd been through. But he never once said, I wonder what you're doing, God. Why'd this happen to me? What's, what are you trying to tell me or teach me? He just was laser focused on living his life, glorifying God and bringing the gospel however God had led him to. And all this stuff happened to him along the way. Right? When you're in a land that is hostile to the gospel, you're going to experience some difficulty. You, if you have an emperor and a king and people that don't want you preaching that message and they're jailing people for it, you're probably going to experience some difficulty. That's what happened to him. That's what happened to all those early people and still happens in some nations. I mean, you know, we don't even know what it's like. We're, you know, we're over here just not experiencing the, the tribulation and the persecution that those guys are experiencing. Pray for them. Pray for the persecuted church. They need it. I mean, but, but, you, see, you hear all the time stories of people keeping the faith in the face of that, and it testifies back to the, their persecutors that God is real. There's something about this. That's what we have the opportunity to do, is stand in the face of life and not give up, not draw back, not give up the faith, right? So back to Peter and kind of how he taught and how he experienced his faith and expressed his Christianity you know, Peter had the undergirding of, I mean, think about this. He walked with Jesus. Like, he just didn't take the time to go back and reinforce all the elements of the love of God and all the elements of that you're, that you're free from the law, that God is no longer holding your sin. You know, all of that is laid, I praise God for Paul that he gave that for us, but you can't forget about that stuff when you read Peter. 
Peter denied Jesus. Peter, now, so think about this. When you read Peter and he's saying, don't be like those people that had faith in Christ and then went back to their drunken lifestyle, it'd be worse for them. Well, he's talking about himself. You got to realize that. He's talking about himself. He's talking about himself because he walked with Jesus. He saw him do what he did and he denied him at his death. And so what he's doing is he's warning and he's preaching out of where he almost fell, where he did fall. Are you with me? Don't forget that when you read Peter. He's got this resolve because he went through what he's warning you about. And, and it's a great lens to remember. But he also reinforces this paradox. And here's the paradox. The paradox is living by faith is this. You are free from the curse of the law. You have been given the free gift of righteousness by the cleansing of the washing of the water of the Word and the blood of Christ, you have been left holy. God cleansed you and you are holy. You are set aside. You are purchased. You're a peculiar person in His kingdom. You are His priest, right? You are something that He has done to. He has done that circumcision without hands on you, which leaves you as a holy vessel. You've gone through the sanctification process that God does to things and then sets you aside within His kingdom and you're holy. So there's that. And then there's the other side. Be as holy as God is, as Peter says. So the paradox is you already have it all, but live worthy of it as well. Live up to it. Don't back down. Don't backslide. Don't go back to the corrupt immoral. That's not really the point of my message. The point of my message is keeping in mind, remember, stand firmly in this gospel. Stand firmly in knowing your freedom but also have every intention to live as clean and pure and righteous and upstanding before Him. Because where we're going, your heart needs to be clear before the Father so that you don't limit what He's trying to do through you. And that's what sin does. That's what, you know, not taking your faith seriously does. It puts you in a place where worldly things get in And it doesn't make you an evil person, and I'm not trying to warn against backsliding into hell. I'm just saying where we want to go, and I know you want to bring glory to God through your life. I know you only want to do what the Father would lead you to do. I know that you, if given the choice, you would only say what the Father would have you say. Wouldn't you? Amen? But we don't because of the other things that we've let grow up within there. See, we have this reverse idea of what Christianity looks like. The reality is you get saved, you get born again. He does all this incredible thing to you. And go back if you didn't hear the message on circumcision of the heart. You know, it's a really powerful truth that you you really need to know as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, what the circumcision of the heart is and the state that it leaves you in after him having done that to you. You are this perfect masterpiece in spirit that God has created. And life, what we do is we put things around us. Travis has this vision. Maybe we'll get him to talk about it when we get into January. But we let the world put things within us and we invite this stuff. And ultimately, we create barriers and limits to what God has created in us. So we're not trying to become more whole We're not trying to become more holy or gain more righteousness or any of that. We're trying to live from the reality that God has done within us. 
our eternal spiritual existence, living from that toward the world, not letting these distractions come in, not letting the stuff that from our former life creep back in and we just kind of part, you know. One of the warnings of, uh, that, Pe- that Peter gives is people are saying that Jesus isn't going to come back, you know. And if you really look at what he was talking about, it was relevant to uh, a judgment that was coming against the 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 Levitical priesthood back then, but it also has implications for us as well. But Peter gets to this point where he kind of where he says, "All right, live by faith, but add this to your faith." I'm going to read it in just a minute, but I want you to keep in mind. Here's the paradox: when you read something like this, and it says, "Add to your faith," it doesn't mean you're now engaged in a self-help program where you have to become a better version of what God has already created when you got born again. You cannot improve on what God did in you with the Spirit of God. You can only live from it. And you can only free yourself from distractions and the sin that so easily besets us and the, and the fear, the political correctness that creeps into Christianity and we don't want to offend people and you know we're worried about what this group of people might think about me and Jesus and I'm going to soften it up here a little bit. You know, we get we actually get accused of that, but people just people that say that just hadn't really taken the time to listen. The gospel is powerful, amen. So let's let's read this together here, <clears throat> and we're going to go to Second Peter, uh, chapter one, starting in verse three. We're going to go all the way through nine, and I'm going to give you your homework ahead of time. So as you're listening to this, here's your homework through Christmas. There's going to there's a list of words here, and I want you to Look up each word and pray and ask God, what does this look like to be part of my life, right? Get a vision for these things that he says should be a... Really what he's saying is they should be a fruit of your faith. They should be in your life. But also remember, you're not trying to do these things to be a better Christian. You're not trying to do these things because you lack these things. You stand firm in your completed identity in Christ. You are complete in Him. Amen? But you are going to strive to live this way because it's honoring to God and it has a pretty interesting side effect. And that is, pull that down for just a minute. The side effect is if you live this way, you will be effective and fruitful. Do you want to be effective and fruitful? This is how to be effective and fruitful. Right? We're not effective because we let the world creep in and we don't pursue those things that God puts on our hearts. We think maybe one day we will, but you know what? One day is today. The future is now. That's something that I feel like God put on my heart to wrap up this year and going into the new year. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Now, That doesn't mean you get foolish and jump out there and make irresponsible decisions, but don't wait. Don't wait might look for you like you just take one little step, one little step. What step can you take to move, to pursue, to follow God, to say yes? Don't wait. Amen? All right, let's read this. His His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I mean, you could just sit and meditate on that. Praise God for that. How, 
through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You know, living this way that we're about to describe here, it roots, it roots sin out of your soul. You know, you are no longer a sinner by nature. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And if you let worldly desires take root in your mind, you will desire sin, but it's no longer, it no longer defines you. You are no longer defined as a fallen creature with a wicked heart that is a sinner by nature. You know, when Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things? Well, that was true until you got a new one. That's a whole other topic. We're going there soon. All right. Uh, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Verse 5, For this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Now, this is, this is the homework, virtue. Take time to understand what that is. Because here's your faith. Your faith, so you're supplementing your faith. Faith is, God is. Amen. That's faith, right? You look at the Word, you see who He is, you see who Jesus has revealed Him to be, and you, desert, you determine within your heart with great resolve that that is who God is. Amen? So you add to that these things here. And these are very practical things, but I want you to look each one of these up, either write out the definition or make notes or whatever, and, and I think I'm going to do this in the Facebook group for the church. If you're watching online and you're not part of that, jump in there, and we'll kind of collectively do this. We'll just make this a... We'll have some Christmas collective. We'll do a large Christmas small group, how's that sound, based on these definitions. And, and I, I feel like it will, it will kind of be a, it'll settle some things for you. It'll give you a little bit of direction, you know. We all like a project. We all like something to work on. But remember, you're not necessarily working on you to become something else. You're renewing your mind. Amen? All right, so supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue with knowledge. Think about that. What does that look like? Knowledge. I'm going to meditate on that. I'm adding to my faith, my response to who God is, knowledge. What does that look like for you? Again, we're going to go through this stuff over the next couple of weeks. Number six, or verse six, and knowledge with self-control. Uh-oh. Self-control. Like, sometimes one of the most spiritual things you can do is control yourself. Yeah, that's what that's that as parents, that's what we do. We we help control our children until they learn to control themselves. I don't like that word control. You're controlling your children? Well, somebody's gonna control them. If you don't, and they don't learn to, the popo will. I don't even want popo. Where'd that even I don't even popo can. I got that from you, I think. Popo. Holy. <laughs> self-control. Think about that. You know, it's a very powerful exercise to sit down and think about what does self-control look like in my life? Where do I need some self-control? 
And I'm not just talking about sin habits and issues, but you watch. You know, it's, it's amazing how clearly you hear God when you just sit and listen to Him. Like you hear God way better than you think that you do. I'm telling you, you do. You know why? Because He's an excellent communicator. And He's talking to His children all the time. There's a real popular guy out there that says, you know, he's got a book, When God is Silent. Should be never. <laughs> always, always communicating. And if you're not hearing, it's not that he's not speaking. It's just that your heart is not receptive in that moment. He might just be saying the same thing he's been saying for 20 years and you're tired of hearing it. Self-control with steadfastness. You know, that's that resolve. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. It just goes back to love. The ultimate progression of living the Christian life. Like the most spiritual thing you can be is not somebody that's getting miracles all the time, but somebody that carries the life-changing love of God to people. Amen? You know, and again, I think about Michael going back into his family and bringing that forgiveness and modeling what the Father is like. You know, and that probably wasn't easy for that to happen. And every heart in there had to be receptive, but that's what we get to do. So, <clears throat> live well in your salvation. This is my statement here. Live well in your salvation, a life honoring to the work of Christ in you that you finish your race well. And that was something that was said about him several times. He finished well. Now, so that list of things, remember, when you see lists in Scripture, they're not things that you do to earn God's favor. They're not things that you do to get God to like you more. They're not things that you do to be, be a better Christian per se. They're things that you do because you have the Spirit of God within you. This is how you live because you are already acceptable to the Father. And this is how someone that's acceptable to the Father lives. Amen? Now, verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. Now, I pray that God shows you revelation on that. Do you ever feel like, Oh, I don't know. It's not. Don't feel like I'm very effective. You might not use this terminology, but maybe you feel like I'm stuck. I don't really have a lot of traction going here. Nothing I do kind of works. I don't know, I'm just going through the same routine motion over and over and over. You feel like you're unfruitful and ineffective. Here's a formula, if I dare say, right? Not a formula to make things happen, but ultimately to shift your own heart. That's what we're talking about here. This is a mind renewal exercise unto transformation. Metamorphosis. You already are this. Put some boundaries in place for yourself and give the Spirit a path to manifest within into your life. Like this is what we do. We're not trying to get God to show up and do things. We're not trying to become something. We're just trying to connect with where God is leading us and watch the things come into our lives that He's trying to bring into our lives as we follow Him. And living this way tunes your heart in such a way that you stop limiting Him and you are effective and fruitful. And you kind of, this is one of those areas where you're like, well, I don't want to do it that way. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read seven books this year and I'm not going to put any of it into practice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of read between the lines there. Like, we're going to do it our way, but then we don't really even follow up on that. 
Try this. Like you want to change your life? You want to see the blessing of God? You want to see those promises fulfilled? Live in such a way that He says affects you that you see them come to pass in your life. It's pretty simple. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not always easy. But there's grace. Amen? <clears throat> All right. I, I love how he ends here, this particular section. Uh, verse 8 still. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is a dirty, rotten, backslidden sinner and is going straight to hell. Whoever lacks these qualities has not grown up into a mature Christian that will finally figure it out one day and be who you're supposed to be and make God happy. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. When, you, when you're living full of sin, you have forgotten that you have been forgiven for sin. The strength of the law is sin. When you don't know the gospel, when you don't know that you're free in Him, you repeat the destruction. The more you know you're free, the spiritual fruit is you live fruitfully and effectively. Now that's counterintuitive to our physical world and what a lot of religion teaches. Religion meaning performance-based Christianity. Are you with me? Do you see it? If you're not living in a way that we would say is a good Christian way that's pleasing to God to live, it's because you forgot you're forgiven. Remember that you're forgiven. And these things rise up within you and you live this way. Remember that you have been cleansed. Put that last verse up for me. Remember that you have been cleansed. Amen? See, when you're seeking to please God or live an effective and fruitful Christian life, you start back knowing the gospel. That He exchanged places with you. He brought you to a place of acceptance on His own merit and effort that you only receive by saying yes to Him. You live from that. And that's how you produce the quality Christian life, so to speak. Are you with me? And the world out there doesn't know that. Your Christian friends don't know that. Most Christians just have the basic idea that we're bad and the better we act, the more God likes us. That's, that, that is a very common concept because that's how we are with each other. Surely that's how God is as well. Don't you see all these warnings and everything in here? But I mean, that right there, that, that, that small section within Peter is very telling of how we are to live by faith, of how we are to live in the newness of the spirit of life, of the fact that we have been delivered from the law of the spirit, uh, or the law of uh, sin and death, and that we now live in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right? This, this is living within the law of the spirit of life, meaning you have been given life. Now live it. And if you're not living it, Go back and remember what He did for you, that He cleansed you, that you're holy and acceptable and righteous within Him. Quit beating yourself up. Quit looking at yourself thinking, man, I'm just worthless. Maybe one day I'll get to be that type of Christian. 
You already are. You might not be acting like it, but you already are. Amen? Amen. Don't forget it. Tell other Christians. Might make them mad, but tell them anyway. They need to know. People are working really hard from a sincere heart, trying to be pleasing to God. And they need to know that this has already happened. You already are. That's not taking the responsibility of living a holy life out of the way. It's actually showing you the only way to do it. I'm a little passionate about it. I mean, I'm telling you, this is what the gospel should be about. Affirming who you are in Christ and then calling you into this life that Christians say you got to be this in order to have that life. We get it backwards and we need to turn it around because the world needs to hear it. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto a father that can go back to his family that's made a mess, that stands up at his memorial service and talks about how loving they felt when it was completely the opposite when they were younger. That's the power of the gospel. That is what convinces people that God is real. Our love for one another. Brothers, sisters, fathers, sons, daughters, our love for one another is our weapon. And you don't have that love for one another unless you know that you're already cleansed, and they are too. Right? They are too. You don't get the excuse of saying, well, you know, because of their sinful lifestyle, I'm not even so sure that they're Christians. Man, there's a whole set of theological structure that looks at people's lives and says, you're acting this way. I don't think you're even a Christian. I don't think you're really even saved. My judgment is, if you were saved, you wouldn't want to do that anymore. You know, gag. And then, those people tend to know the Bible better than the rest of us. And so they sound really smart and they sound like they know what they're talking about and they come to you and it makes you question. Don't, don't back down. Don't fight, don't argue, but go to a passage like this. Like that's why I'm spending so much time on this one thing right here. To see the qualities that Christianity would say is a godly life is birthed out of knowing that you already have been cleansed. Now that is a functional description of becoming holy and sanctified. Like those big words that we use and we don't really know what they mean. That right there, that process right there, and I'm pointing at that scripture. Just so you know, having forgotten, he was cleansed from his former sins, you may as well say, who had been sanctified and left holy. That's what it's saying. Are you with me? Let's be solid in this. Let's be confident in this. Because the gospel is in you, it's in your heart, it's in your mouth, it needs to get into other people's lives. That's where we're going. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. As much as we can possibly understand it with our limited minds in this earth, Father, we ask you for even more revelation to understand your heart toward us and how you could become like us in this baby that lived a perfect, sinless life to be qualified 
to be the guilt and sin offering for the whole world. It is such a, an amazing concept that we are so grateful and thankful for. Father, we open our hearts to receive more understanding and revelation on that so that we understand better your heart toward us so that it changes us even deeper and so that we can take it to the world around us. And if you're watching and you're sitting in this room and you're not even sure that you've ever made that decision, make this decision. I'm willing to believe that what Jesus did was for me. I'm willing to believe that what Jesus did was for me. And seek and learn and grow. And a moment of being born again happens. You may have a moment when you know it and you say a phrase in a sentence. It may be a progression for you where you step into it. Father, I thank you that those that are watching and listening beyond this message today, this, these four walls today, Father, I thank you that your spirit is alive and active and bringing revelation of your son and his saving power to all who would hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.